Hey everyone, this is Les Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and uh, we gotta sit down and have a chat. This Sunday's podcast revolves around the 22 and 26 Detroit Pistons, who have now lost 8 straight games and altered the future of the franchise in the process. Jamie and I talk about hashtag Team Tank, the Pistons' life after SVG, and uh, the Oscars, surprisingly enough. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, like, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the post on Detroit Bad Boys. It's the best way for us to build the podcast according to what the fans want. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which is the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hey everyone, welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Uh, I do not have my usual co-host, Ben Gulker, by my side today. He uh, had to take care of his baby. Get well soon, baby Ben. Uh, But instead, we have Jamie Delaney. What's up, Jamie? What's up, Laz? Hey everybody, happy to be talking about these really depressing pistons. Let's do it. Let's do it. So... (laughs) Just to top-level view, the Pistons are now, uh, we are recording this in the wake of the 121-104 loss to the Cavs on Sunday. The Pistons are now 22-26, and 26, uh, ninth in the East, and they have lost eight straight games. That is wake, wake being the optimal word in that sentence, because this team feels just that that depressing at the moment. It It doesn't. Well, actually, tonight was like as well as you could reasonably expect them to play against the Cavs, but they they still lost. So I I feel like that's I thought the same thing at first, and then I realized it's Stockholm syndrome because there's no way I should be happy about Anthony Tolliver playing 39 minutes and being like our leading scorer. <laughs> that's I'm sorry. That that's one half of the coin. The other half of the coin is that Stanley Johnson had like his like yeah. third good game in like the last like eight. So which I is more than we were having before. So I guess we'll we'll take that. I suppose. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you there. So normally I have a whole bunch of stuff about you know where the where they rank offensively, where they rank defensively, who they've played this week. None of that matters. They lost all their games this week. It, <laughs> it doesn't matter. But in doing so and losing all their games this week. Uh, they've opened up like some huge questions as to what the future of this franchise should be. So, Jamie, I guess the first question I want to pose to you is, uh, should Stan Van Gundy step down as president of basketball operations? Uh, step down, I don't think he'd ever do. Um, I think should. he should be fired. Should is, doing, should is doing a lot of work in that sentence. Yeah, it is. Um so step down as president of basketball operations. Basically pull like a button buttonholzer. Yeah, uh, the Doc Rivers. Well, Doc Rivers got stripped of it. Buttonholzer actually stepped down. That's that's the difference oh, too. Okay. Um I think he should. But here's the thing is like I don't think that I think you're putting a band-aid on a bullet wound if if you just take away the president of basketball operations. I think this core group of players there's enough to me at least it feels like there's enough bad sentiment kind of building up that 
it's either got to be like he sticks around and like figures out a way to turn it around and, and keep this going or we need a new regime um and i'm and i'm leaning towards the latter right now so yeah i would say i would say he not only needs to be stepping down from president of basketball operations he needs to be kind of fired from all of his pistons duties see i i've heard a lot of that this week like on on Twitter and on DBB and on the Pistons subreddit and on the cesspool that is the Facebook comments that make up. God, what is what is going on there? Yeah, I have no well, idea. What's people, wrong if you're people. listening to this and you are active in the DBB Facebook comments, please reach out and I I just want to give you like a, a test, like a like an IQ test to see where what's going on because it's it's crazy. It's like a it's like the bizarro world of Pistons fandom. I, I can't understand it. I got no idea what's going on on Facebook. <laughs> but Stan, so the issue is that the Pistons are losing a lot right now. But to me, like I still see the I see I see the long vision of like what Stan Van Gundy was trying to achieve with this roster and with this team, and I see no reason why it couldn't have worked. It just hasn't. It's like uh there's this there's this Warren Ellis uh, alternate universe comic book called Ruins, where uh, you know how the Marvel universe all the superheroes get their powers through like a series of weird experiments or like you shoot people into space and they come back with superpowers. Well, this is like a right. deconstruction of that, where like you shoot people into space and they come back with superpowers and cancer, and so like the world is just like this really really terrible place, like ruled by these like really. Uh, uh, evil like sick people because like there was no one to stop them and uh it's this it's it's like you you can easily like because we know the story of how it worked out and like how uh you get, actually get superpowers and like you aren't like a serial killer and you aren't like using your powers for evil or anything we see like how how tragic it is that like everything is like so close to like falling away like, that's how i feel about like stand, the standing any regime <laughs> Like we're we're so close to like having everything work and just having everything uh, go smoothly and being and in the like in being in like the secondary tier of the Eastern Conference and like two injuries and uh, an extended stretch of games where the they couldn't play well in crunch time due to an injury and due to coaching and due to some other stuff. Is just like the, that's the reason we're gonna abandon this this long term plan that like seemed really good. It's like to me, it it just doesn't seem like worthwhile to me. If that makes any sense. No, that does. I I totally i i see what you're saying, and and I think it kind of goes back to what you were tweeting out earlier this week of like process over results, right? Um, you can kind of see the process in play, but I think this long into his tenure. We can't keep we we can't keep trusting the process. I, I don't I don't think his leash is that long long enough where we have like a process in play. Um, this this has become a situation, and especially with him being the president of basketball operations at the same time, where his hands are kind of tied. Like it's it's got to be a win now, results now type of thing because. I just don't see how you can miss the playoffs and go into the last year of your contract like 
hoping like staying with the same core group of players that we have right now and, and turning this all around. It feels to me like we've, we've seen this now for the past three years and with, you know, minor upgrades or moves here and there, some good, some bad. And I just, I just feel like, I feel like it's just not working. And I, I would rather, I would rather as jump ship sooner than later. So would you fire him to prevent him from, uh, like stripping down the future for parts to try and win now. Is that part of it? Um, yeah, I think, I think that's, if you're Tom Gores, that's gotta be part of it because you know, this guy's just not in a contract that would allow him to, um, to decide to keep your franchise's future, like best interests in mind, if that makes sense. I think, um, you gotta kind of step in sooner than later. Yeah, no, that, that does make sense. I think that if you if you do fire at Stan Van Gundy and you do decide to embrace the tank, which you know we talked about a little bit uh, before the podcast, where I'm kind of half. Now I'm not really team tank. I'm never. I'm not a tanking person. But and you're uh, like halfway on the team tank. But uh, yeah, it's uh, here's my thing. You basically, if you're team tank, you have to be team fire SVG. Like. There's no way you can, there's no middle ground with that decision. <laughs> like you can't say SVG deserves to stay and be team tank. That just, that situation doesn't play out. Well, I guess the issue that I, I could see like a scenario where he stays and they tank, but like, I don't think he would want to stick around for the tank. So like, I kind of see like, yeah, exactly. you'd have to fire him, but yeah, it, you'd basically just be firing him in the summer instead of midway through the season yeah and i also see like he does only have like one year left on his deal you kind of don't want that like lame duck year where everyone's kind of unsure about the 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 what's going to happen in the future next year and so kind of everything gets preserved in amber or whatever for a season and like that's not really good for anyone but and and that's that's my biggest fear is that that's kind of that's going to be what happens like i I just have this worry that gores is going to let it kind of he's going to punt on it because I I don't know for whatever reason he's just too busy in his giant ass house in Malibu, um, and and we're just gonna get this lame duck year where you know it, his contract's hanging over his head and all the players' head, and then we're gonna hit reset a year later than we should have. Yeah, I could see that. I guess so. My thing is if you if you want to fire SVG and start over the best way to do that is to trade like everyone but andre drummond and the guys you've drafted in the last three years um for right for you know picks and uh and uh and cap flexibility but i don't really know who what kind of return you're going to get for a reggie for reggie jackson with two more years at like 17 mil a piece on his deal I don't know what kind of return you're going to get for $20 million worth of John Lure, right? Like, Yeah. I, I think you got to trade. To me, the the first sign of a tank it being put into play would be moving to bias. And, and I think Bradley's got to move no matter what at this point. But I think moving to bias, um, and I'd say moving Drummond are kind of like the two things that would need to happen. I, I know Drummond is still young and – He's played spectacular this year. I have a, have this inkling that this is his ceiling, 
and that's I mean it's a damn good ceiling. I just worry about him sticking around for kind of a rebuild hmm. when he basically came in for a rebuild, and I just don't think he's he's in this stage of his career where he would want to do that. And I, I wouldn't want to put him through that. I don't think he deserves that. I think he's an he's an awesome basketball player. He's going to be a great second or third piece on, on a really good team. I just think we've kind of tried to fit him into this position of being the guy, of being the building block. And it just doesn't – I don't think his – personality and i don't necessarily think his game is best suited for that the way the game is played right now um if that makes sense no that totally makes sense and i think you're right in that we have kind of retrofitted andre as like the building block around which the pistons are built but that's because like clearly he's the most talented player on the roster right right and so so you had to make that decision and i think it was like a, a very you know at the time a wise decision to make um, because he he did yeah, have he was like twenty two a ton of talent yeah. Yeah, exactly he was super young ton of talent and you could see all that potential um, so I I think they made the right call I just think you know instead of us kind of pushing forward just because that's what we've been doing I, I'd rather us kind of recognize the ceiling now and and make a move to kind of reset. Um, it's too late see that see i oof, that gets me into tricky territory right because then you're in like orlando dwight howard territory right and like orlando it's been six years since the dwight trade and like they that franchise is like not recovered from that and like yeah i don't want to be orlando or phoenix or you know one of these places anywhere that's not philadelphia basically we're tanking yeah, extending orlando's Orlando has come out and said they're going to win one championship by 2030. They have like a they have like a 12 year, 15 year plan. Yeah, that's that's 12 <laughs> years. That's 15 years from now. Like I need, I need something. They've the Pistons have been so bad in like the last uh, what's 2018. So we'll say like the last 10 years. Yeah, I'd say 10. I'd say the past decade. I mean, yeah, you. I, I don't have another decade miserable. of fandom in me if you're going to promise me that you're not going to be good, right? Like. I need. Some- I mean, I'm I'm enough of a masochist where I'll have I have a whole lifetime in me, even if they suck, just because I'm that demented. But now I feel you. It's it's the next rebuild has to be a little bit quicker. Yeah. Than- and like, okay, so you look at Orlando, right? And like the way that Orlando screwed up has been that they've consistently like given it up, given up on talented players like a little too early. And you say you say to yourself like, okay it's easy not to duplicate that. We just won't give up any of our young guys to try and make the playoffs immediately, which is, which is like fine. But then you end up, so then you end up with like, uh, if you end up like a Phoenix situation where you're like, okay, we've got, we're trading two first round. We're trading into the first round of this draft. We've got two first round picks in the top 10. Like we're doing, like we're doing this correctly. We're going to be set for like the next three years. We got like Alex Lynn, and then, like, in the draft, you're like, oh, crap, this draft isn't, like, what we needed to be. We end up with Marquise Chris and Dragon Bender. And, like, all of a sudden, you're, you're like, those aren't two guys you can build a foundation upon. And so now you're, yeah. like, even more stuck because you can't. Yeah. So. No, I, I mean, no, I, I totally, I, that's kind of the risk of it all, right? Especially for a smaller market team like Orlando, Phoenix, or, or Detroit. Um, 
you really you're not afforded the luxury of striking out on a draft pick because you don't have the free or not even not even striking out on a draft pick just like getting a draft pick in the wrong draft right like if you would have if you would have got if you would have gotten a lottery pick in the anthony bennett like oladipo year like you you unless you were like ballsy enough to take nerlens noel like you weren't going to end up with like a franchise changing player in the top seven and like that like that's that's the risk you run right and but like you don't know that going in a in ahead of time and so like you it's it's foolish to say like okay this is the year that we're going to get the franchise changing player and then we're going to build everything off of that from there starting now like you you just don't know right and what the pistons are right now they are a known quantity the quantity is like low it's not a great known quantity um it has potential we'll see what they look like when reggie jackson comes back if reggie jackson comes back healthy in time for like the season to not be over but like we know we we've, we've at least seen this team fully healthy be a playoff team right or the core of this the reggie jackson andre Drummond, tobias harris core of this team be a playoff team and i i yeah they they are but do you even bring like depending on how reggie is coming back i mean looking at the east do you bring him back like who can we knock off i think like we're looking at like a 7 8 seed i mean maybe the bucks fall too but i don't know yeah maybe you hit a thing where like maybe mb gets hurt in philadelphia falls off completely which is you know within the realm of possibility and then you can kind of switch in but like no yeah i see what you're saying but on on the other side of that right like where you are right now you have to out tank 12 other teams to get into like a position where you're getting a draft pick that you enjoy and so i don't know it's just really tough like i'm not quite team tank yet but like the arguments that you guys are making when they're not being made in bad faith uh, i'm starting to understand and like you know i've i've heard some bad faith arguments for for the pistons being terrible um i mean there are there are individuals who uh just they see what philadelphia has in joel Embiid, and they see the success they have after they've gotten the three number one picks in five years or whatever and they just want they want that right they did they just want that thing but yeah accompanying that was five years of like sub 20 win basketball which i don't know and they also just had to get really lucky with like finding other guys like robert covington and even sarich is is kind of a fine for them like it wasn't just those three number ones it's you know they've they've made savvy pickups and signings and, and they've and, the second round pick. and they whiffed on some draft picks too right like they, oh, yeah. they whiffed on noel they whiffed on they, Okafor. Yeah. they i don't know it's like they they whiffed on those guys but they also like didn't give those guys an opportunity to uh develop in like the most positive um environment and so like who's to say what kind of impact that had like on their development as nba players like we're not hearing anything out of new orleans well right now but Jaleel Okafor has scored like 21 and like eight last night, you know, like maybe he's still an NBA player, but like he was never going to be able to show that in, in Philadelphia. Not in that situation. Yeah. I, I hear you. And look, I'll keep it. I'll, I'll be very real with you. My, a lot of my tanking feelings are for P 
purely selfish reasons because I, as a fan of this team, would rather they admit or commit to this reality that I can see as a fan instead of living in the kind of false basketball reality of that like competitive bubble being within the organization, which I can totally see happening. I even think like Ben Falk at Cleaning the Glass has written about it. You, you, when you're working for a team, you're convinced your guys are like, you have the team, you're able to compete, you can see it in practice, you can see it in games, and you kind of, it's hard to step outside that bubble at times. Um, and me as a fan, I would just rather them see this ceiling coming, hit reset, and be like, okay, we're kind of washing ourselves clean. Like, we're, we're playing the long game now. I would be able to watch games and enjoy them with much lower expectations than what I'm doing right now, which is like beating my head against a wall. Because I, like you said, we've seen this team be a playoff team, and, and right now they're just they're not living up to the expectations we've kind of set in our head. That's fair. I mean, yeah. Yeah, no. This is this has been like a really good discussion because like we no, because this this is what this is what we're going to be unless they start winning. Like this is what we're going to be talking about for the next 6 months. So perfect example. I'm so excited. I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm so excited for this Detroit Tigers season because there's zero expectations. It's a bunch of youngins. They're going to be so bad. They're going to lose so terribly so often this year. But you know what? Like it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch these the youth development there and actually see their farm system for once be a little more stacked than usual. Um, and Comerica is gonna be completely empty, and then parking will be so much easier. So, you know, selfishly, I'm I love having a team that's kind of committed to like this is the long game. We're just gonna play the youth movement and see what what we hit on. Um, and I think. It would be in the Pistons' best interest to kind of do do a similar move if they're if they're thinking about it sooner than later. I think there are moves. I will say, I think there are moves that Stan can make that would be really interesting uh, if he's going for a win now approach. So I'm not like I'm not all in on you know I'm not Sergeant Fire SVG. Um, <laughs> I think I think there's some moves we can make at the deadline that would be splashy and interesting for the near future yeah i don't know i saw that uh clip of uh al avila talking about the guys he was he was answering a press conference question about why fans should come to comerica park he was just listing names of dudes i've never heard of and it's like oh man like you guys are gonna be so bad and like and like that fills that fills my heart with like dread, right? Because like in my mind, oh, no. like in my mind, like none of those dudes are ever gonna be anything. And so like I like I just can't handle that. It's like that's part of the reason why like I'm, my mind just works differently. Like I can't do that. See, I'm I'm much more of a person who's like you know be self aware, understand your kind of your your weight class, and 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 play to that don't don't think you're bigger than you are and because that's when that's when you piss fans off and that's when you like i think fail to meet expectations that's fair both of yourselves and and the expectations other people have for you i will say one other thing that doesn't have me super excited about uh team tank is that there's in my mind like i'm just starting to like delve pretty deeply into this year's draft class uh, a little bit a little bit earlier 
it's not very deep. There's only like 11 guys. It falls, yeah, it falls off pretty significantly after I think like five or six from what I've been reading. Like if you're not in the top six, it's it's not looking. Yeah, pretty. and so to uh, to to tank and not be able to out tank like the Sacramento and Orlando's and Atlanta's of the world, and, and you know end up in a end up in like the eleventh spot and like not be able to get an impact player like that's that's even worse right like that's the worst of both scenarios and so like i don't know i don't know i it's 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 reality for them to like accept the fact that like they're probably not going to make the playoffs this year but i think you have to you have to keep pushing because the alternative is uh so untenable that you just have to like keep going yeah, I, I, I mean, I totally. Both of our positions are completely valid, and I think have a lot of uh, weight in terms of the arguments. It's just, uh, I don't know. I <laughs> this is why the NBA is one of the more fascinating sports to uh, be a fan of. I guess. Yeah. All right. So that was like a solid like twenty minutes, which I'm pretty pleased with. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So I guess the the only other things I really wanted to talk about this week was uh, it was if Andre Drummond was like actually snubbed for the All Star game and if uh, and if so like who should have been knocked off. So like was did you think he was a snub or no? I, I thought he was a snub. I thought I I forget who tweeted it, so I'm, I apologize. But someone did like a um, bar chart with his All Star year and his stats from his all-star year and his stats from this year. And like, they were pretty even in three, um, but there were three, I forget the stats off the top of my head, but where he just like significantly is outperforming his all-star year. Um, so I, I do think he was a snub. I'm, I honestly didn't think, I didn't think love or Chris Stapps were, were like so obvious. Um, I thought Drummond, you could have made a case for him getting in over, over Chris Stapps, but just because Chris Stapps hasn't been playing a ton, he's been like gassed this year, and he's like, yeah, I think he's taking like a game off every week. So, um, I thought I thought that was a little surprising that he got in, but it's just yeah. I thought he was a snub too, and like the meme answer is like Al Horford shouldn't have been an All Star because he only averages thirteen points. <laughs> 13 yeah, but like if you watch the Celtics, yeah, he's really like, important. He is. Yeah. So yeah. for me, the guy that should have so. been left off was John Wall because there's like three. There's uh, there's Kyrie, there's Lowry, and um, who else? Lowry's been up and Lowry's down been, though, too. Bro, Lowry's like, been pretty good. And then like even like Dragic has outplayed Wall this year, and like Dragic wasn't even like considered in in the All Star vote. So like John Wall, he took like three we had like the knee surgery midway through the season uh he had like three weeks off they were uh the pit the wizards have been like consistently uh up and down consistently up and down who knows what that means zach Lowe had the ultimate ether of a stat for john Wall. it was like 76 percent of his time on court is spent walking it's like highest in the league by and it's far. like he's such a fast dude that like, doesn't make any sense at all i've never seen a stat just 
completely ether someone's hustle so succinctly. And like his free throw shooting is down, his three point shooting is down. Like he just like he wasn't as good as he's been in the past. And so like Andre Drummond should have been in over him. Like that that just seemed really apparent to me. I I guess I was just thinking like it's got to be a front court guy that comes out, and I just thought with Chris Stapps's uh, up and down play. Uh, this year, I was a little surprised yeah. by him. But I haven't seen every time I've seen Kristaps, like Anthony Tolliver has been like shitting on him, and so like it's hard for me to like know how good he is. Actually, no, no, no. I saw the the Chicago game where him and the finisher were just dueling it out, and I was like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean he still balls out, but like I, I'm one of those guys who, if like you play, I don't even know how many games he's played this year, but it's I I definitely know Drummond's played more than him, so. I, to me, that like that matters when you're getting your All Star selection. Okay. All right. And the last thing was so the uh, Nate Duncan and the Dunked On guys did a, a fake mock trade deadline, and in that trade deadline, they had this really interesting uh, trade proposal that I've been running past people. They uh, they fake, they fake traded Avery Bradley, Tobias Harris, and a 2019 second round pick for Kevin Love and Derek Rose. Would you do that trade? Yes. Uh, you know what? I was I was kind of hesitantly saying yes when you threw this out on Twitter the other day. And the more I sit with it, the more I love it. I think um, it, it fills in a lot of the holes the Pistons have right now. I think, look, the reality is people out there who are saying we got to trade Reggie, we got to trade Reggie, you just can't. Like you're not going to get someone better than him back unless you are significantly overpaying in terms of whatever the package is. And I don't think Stan's ready to do that. Um, also the, just the market for Reggie's contract right now is just, it's, it's gotta be zero. So basically if I'm Stan and Bauer, you got to live with the reality that Reggie is going to be on your roster. So why not take a shot with Rose coming in, hoping that maybe he can kind of, take some of the pressure off Ish, who, as we've seen the past two weeks, three weeks, is just completely in over his head with the extended minutes of being a starter, especially in the fourth quarter. It's it's just painful to watch. Um, so I like taking a shot on Rose. And then Love, I, th- I think, is the, the most intriguing because of the way his contract lines up with Reggie and Drummond's. You basically build in this window for the next two, three years where you have those three as kind of your core group um, and then see what happens. Um, you, you, I think Love is the ideal front court player for the type of system Stan's been trying to implement or has implemented in Detroit. I think with him on the floor with Drummond, he can kind of space out and provide that stretch for that really Stan hasn't had since being here. I know he kind of wanted Lure to be that guy and it didn't really work out. Um, so I, I'd, I'd be really curious to see what he, he looks like in the starting unit. And then on the second unit, you get a five who can stretch the floor again, play give play the DHOs and, and run a little bit with Ish and and those outlet passes would be would be awesome with that second unit. So I think to me if there's going to be a splashy move, that's the one to make. I think it makes the most sense. It kind of solves your win now. It also sets up this intriguing competitive window 
where we can see the light at the end of the tunnel in terms of, okay, this isn't working. A bunch of money comes off the books and we hit reset, or we now have this cap space to make moves and stay competitive. So I think it's kind of your best of both worlds option. Okay. I can see that. I wasn't, I started off like a, a in favor of this trade, but like the more I thought about it, the more I didn't really like it. Um, I think you're, you're relying a lot on uh, love to be something that he hasn't been in Cleveland. You're like wondering if like the Minnesota Timberwolves, Kevin love is like still in there and like, maybe he is, maybe he isn't, but like, if he's not, you're paying, you're paying that guy like $27 million for two more years. And like, you can't really, you can't really do much with that. Um, Derrick Rose is awful. We, we saw that today. He drove into, he literally drove into four defenders on a, on a fast break and got his layout blocked. It just like it made you like weep for what could have been had uh, Tibbs not like run him into the ground. But uh, like I don't want I don't want that dude anywhere like near the team anyway. And so what this I was really trying to spin it for him. Like to be honest, that was that was the best Derrick Rose pitch I had in me. Just that little monologue I gave. I could see it. I guess if it worked, I could see how it would work. But like I just don't see it working. You know? No. No, I, 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 I'm with you on the Rose part. I, and I do think you're right. It, it, the success of that trade hinges a lot on the Kevin Love that shows up. And with his age um, and his kind of checkered history of health, it's, you know, it's, it's a concern. It's definitely a huge-ass gamble. Yeah. Um, but, and the, the other thing is, like, if you're going to trade both Bradley and Tobias Harris, you need a first-round pick. Like you just you just do the the Cavs, the Cavs have uh their I think they have their pick this year. They won't get Stepien ruled because they have the Nets pick, and so like you could even if you take that pick, which is going to be like a in the twenties or whatever, like that's better than like a twenty nineteen second, and that no, that's better than giving up a twenty nineteen second, right? And like there are, there are people out there who like think you can get Avery Bradley for the twenty eighteen Nets pick, and like that's not going to happen. But like, if you trade, if you trade both of those guys, you need at least one first round pick from somewhere. Yeah, I I I would agree with that. I'd even be happy with a second round pick, honestly. I'd be, I'd be happy. Like, so okay, so Avery Bradley uh, didn't play tonight. He's still having uh, groin troubles. Um, we saw we saw yeah we saw Andre Roberson uh, uh, split his patellar tendon. Uh, in the game against Oklahoma city. It was a very freak play, very freak accident. And uh, one of the most wild accidents I've watched in a basketball and, game. You know, we're, we feel, I feel really bad for him. And like, that's a guy who like already has his money guaranteed, thankfully. But uh, like, that's a young yeah. dude who was like, you know, getting legitimate de- defensive player of the year consideration. And so, you know, I hope he's able to come back uh, to full form, but like in the meantime, you know, the, Thunder now have this gaping hole at two guard and we have this uh, supplementary two guard that we're not really like needing. And like, and it's really difficult. It's really difficult to construct a trade that like gets Avery Bradley to OKC and like gives Detroit back like relatively equitable value. But like, it's a nice thought experiment because they, that's the type of, that's the type of situation where I think Avery Bradley would thrive as like the fourth offensive option and just like, sicking him on like western point guards in the playoffs like that could work but like this where he's yeah. at now where he's like he's the primary offensive focus and he's like uh shooting all the 18 footers he wants and turning the ball over a bunch like that's not the guy we brought him in to be 
Do you think Presti takes on another expiring though? Well, I mean, yeah, I could see it. I, if, if I think you could get Bradley to stay, definitely. And so I think you'd be more willing to do that. Almost like a contingency plan for when Paul George becomes a oh. Laker. <laughs> <laughs> that that's me trolling all three of our OKC uh, listeners. That's tricky. Yeah. 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 But uh no. I mean you could you could get Avery Bradley to stay and like that's a that's an intense backcourt, I think. So who would we who would you be targeting so, to get back? Abrinus or Ferguson? Um one yep. of those two. I like Ferguson. I liked Ferguson pre-draft, um, but uh, he's really skinny and really young still. He like that's a lump of clay. Like you can do stuff with that guy. And uh, Abrinus is just like, yeah, Abrinus is just like a knockdown shooter. And so like you, you always need that that type of guy. You can play him and Luke at the same time and just like torch people. Like sure, why not? So, uh, but they don't have any. Uh, they have very few available first round picks to trade. And so like you're just. It's like that's the place where like you could maybe squeeze a first round pick out of somebody for Avery Bradley if they're like sustaining a major injury, but uh, they don't have any really first round picks to trade, so you can't do that with them. So maybe you try and get another guy like a like a Josh Eustis or something like that. Um, that doesn't like when when you trade Marcus Morris. Yeah, when you trade Marcus Morris for Avery Bradley, you're like not hoping to turn him into uh, Alex Abrinas and Josh Eustis like six months down the road. <laughs> but it, I mean, I think something like that could work for both sides. All right. But see all, all those players you mentioned, I feel like it gets closer to that, like young prospect, low expectations, uh, tank squad that I was kind of dreaming about earlier, which, I, which I'm totally on board with, but yeah, that's, that's fair. I mean, the tank squad would be based around Luke Kennard, Stanley Johnson, uh, Andre Drummond, if you keep him, and if not, whatever you do with him, and like whatever pick you get this year, like, I don't think I'm here for that. I'm very much here for if that you, squad. If you can replace, if you can replace Drummond with another center, um, if, uh, I don't know if you trade for a center in the Drummond deal or you take a center with like the top. If you could, if you got high enough in the lottery to take one of the big centers, I think that would be cool. But like. Uh, I could see that's that's a rough outline for like success. I could totally see that. Yeah, no, I'd I'd be very much here for that. Yeah, for that uh, squad. So here's a question for you. We talked a little bit about you know fire SVG. I've I've a conversation I've yet to kind of hear is who who would you like to see replace SVG? That's the tricky one because, like, Fisdale is the name on everybody's uh, lips, but uh, the Milwaukee job is going to be open, and, like, I would much rather coach Giannis than coach a rebuild, and so you're probably not going to get that guy. Um, just trying to think of uh, available coaches or, like, developmental guys. I, I've seen people mention Jerry Stackhouse, which is, like, an interesting name. I was going to say, Aaron on Pistons Twitter has been big on Stackhouse, and, and I like that idea. I think Stackhouse has been doing some awesome work in the G League. I'd I would I'd be willing to give him his first shot on a rebuild, if that's, if that's yeah, the Yeah, the, the Stackhouse, uh, Billups, Coach uh, GM. I don't know. I, I couldn't do a Billups GM. I, I couldn't do that. 
Yeah, I said this on Twitter. If like Chauncey Billups like failed as a GM, I'd have to go like wander the wilderness for like eight months. <laughs> I just, uh, I mean, it's it it's one of those things that like everyone in Detroit would be so freaking happy about. Like the ticket for the first time ever would do like a week of like just Pistons talk because people would be so pumped for Billups to come back. But like. I just don't think it'd be a good idea for like anyone. I, ah, it, that's a tough. That's a tough job. If you didn't want to do a Cleveland rebuild, I don't know, man. That's. Uh, I hope that doesn't happen. Does David Griffin? Does David Griffin have a job? The he old not, he's not gamefully employed right now. That is a good name. That's that's a name I would be looking at if I'm Tommy G out in Malibu. So, but head coach wise, like I can't really think of any other guys. I saw some people mention Monty Williams, uh, which I think is an interesting name. Uh, Brent Barry showed up on some lists, which would just kind of be hilarious. I feel he, like Monty would be a good coach for a really young team that was trying to get better. But like, if Monty's trying to run like a playoff team, like I don't want that. No, no, no. I I agree, and that's kind of why his name stuck out to me is because if you like. If you read about his relationship with Durant in OKC, like he was so instrumental when like Harden, Durant, and Russ were all coming up, like in that and, young team. And Anthony Davis, like he and Anthony Davis also have a really good relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So I think if you're going with this kind of young gun squad, I, I I would really like to see his name in the ring. Okay, those are some interesting names. I hadn't thought about it as much, but. Uh... Long-term thinking over here. Yeah, long-term <laughs> thinking. I like it, Jamie. I like it. All right, so short-term thinking. The uh, the Pistons play Cleveland on Tuesday, and then they play uh, Memphis and Miami to finish up the week. Uh, how many of those games will they win? Oh, Memphis and Miami. I'm going to the Miami game. Oh, why am I going to the Miami game? Um, I think they – is it in Memphis? No, no, no. All those games are home. All those games are home? Mm-hmm. God, last time we played Memphis on a Wednesday at home. Oh, if I'm not mistaken. I was Matt at that game. Marcus Ole went off. Oh, the one where Matt Barnes hit the half court game winner. Oh no, the one where Marcus Ole scored like 38 points and like oh. crushed Andre John the stretch and like uh, openly laughed at John Luer, like fouling him from 20, oh, that was 38 last feet. Year. Yeah, no, I remember that one. I'm talking about two years ago when. Uh, Matt Barnes hit a half court game winner. Oh yeah, that one sucked too. Yeah, both both Wednesdays. Despite the fact that Memphis is terrible, we shouldn't beat Memphis. We just don't. No, something about Memphis on a Wednesday just doesn't sit right with me. Um, I think we'll beat Miami. Wow. Okay. All right. Missouri. I don't know. We've played them. We've we've played them so close all three times we played this year. Two, three times. I I don't know. At least twice. Yeah, at least twice. So, and I'm going to be at the game, so I'm, I'm like, talking myself into that being the one win. Uh, that was Luke Kennard's, like, first, like, good – that was the first time – that Miami game was, like, the first time we saw Luke Kennard, and I was like, oh, like, he can actually play. Like, okay, this is good. Yeah. 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 So, we'll see. Um, yeah, I don't think we beat Cleveland on Tuesday, though, which is, you know, great because it will be on NBA TV. Players only. Maybe they'll just, like, not – care that'd be nice <laughs> i mean it, it'll it be easy not to care because wait you mean cleveland yeah cleveland. yeah cleveland oh 
Oh, I was going to say, it'll be easy for Detroit not to care because it's in Detroit and Tuesday <laughs> Tuesday game in Detroit. It'll be nice and empty. Oh, yeah. Well, it'll, it's LeBron. People come to see LeBron. Yeah, that's true. We always get a huge Cleveland contingency. Yeah. Nothing like, like, the, nothing like the, the Toronto contingency, but a pretty sizable. Mm, yeah, it is close to the Toronto contingency or the, the Golden State contingency always blows my mind. Oh, those are just those are just some bandwagon ass cats. No, I know, but like, there's still a ton of them. Like, they, <laughs> it's at least 30, 40% of bandwagon people. All right. And like, I mean, if you're buying jerseys, like, you're, you got to be pretty diehard bandwagon. True. That's true. To be buying authentic Golden State jerseys. Yeah. I mean, Golden State does have some kick ass jerseys. I'll say that. They one. do. I, I own one. So I'm just, I'm ripping on myself right now. <laughs> Totally fine. But you're on the Pistons podcast talking Pistons, so you're not a bandwagon ass cat, which is good. I just I just like Durant. I'm a big Durant fan. Really? Not a Steph oh, yeah. guy. Not a Steph guy. No, I am I am a Steph guy, but I've always I've always been a Durant fan ever since Texas, man. His game is just one of my favorite to watch. All right. I can I can believe that. All right, Jamie. This has been a this has actually been a really good conversation. I'm glad uh we were able to talk out uh the the direction of the franchise a little bit hey wait do you do you hear that what is that i'm gonna give out some winners i don't know if you're picking up the prices right yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) okay uh i went two for one last pod let that be known so you're welcome everybody for the free advice uh tomorrow we're gonna go with Ooh, this is a tough one. Uh, let's go with Charlotte plus four in Indiana. Uh, we're going to go Miami-Dallas is a pick em. Let's. I'm going to go Miami, even though it's in Dallas. I'm going to say Miami comes out with a close one in Dallas. And then uh, Boston plus three in Denver. So Boston, Miami, and Charlotte. Those are your three picks for Monday financial advice i would not have put miami dallas as a pick em. i'm like scanning to see if miami played today and they didn't so i got i got nothing that, that dallas is. is just feisty as hell that's that's why i just watched them get uh their butts handed to them by portland in like really? spectacular fashion a couple nights ago but like yeah i mean carlisle has them he has them playing hard but like their the talent level is not always there yeah i i just I like the ball Miami's been playing. I feel like a pick'em's got to be a mistake. Yeah, I I agree with that. I agree with that. All right, Jamie, where can people get more uh, friendly financial life advice? Uh, Financial life advice and and a lot of Pistons uh, nonsense and rants on Twitter, at Jamie underscore Delancey. Um, Catch me there most nights of the week. I'll be be commiserating with the rest of you guys over the, the losses this week. All right, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Last Chance at L A Z C H A N C E. Uh, I will be, I think, slowly descending into uh, madness, but like very slowly. Like we're gonna. I'm already there. It's a con- oh, like, Did you see uh, Dunkirk? No, no, I wanted to watch it last night. Okay, never mind then. I won't. I ended up watching Happy Death Day. Ooh, was that good? Surprisingly good movie. Hmm. Like. A self-aware, campy horror flick. Okay. I, okay. I will. I'll give it a strong recommend. All right. 
Well, for anyone who's seen Dunkirk, like the the end of that movie, The Descent, is what I'm talking about. That kind of thing. <laughs> okay. Now I have to watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I, a, it's a, I want to know how I feel. You missed out <laughs> not seeing it in theaters. Like the the score is so intense that like you really need to be in a movie theater to like experience it. But uh, yeah, no, go see it. It was a good movie. No one, no one always killed. Have you heard of this movie Geostorm? Oh God, yes. Dude, I, it looks so bad. I kind of want to see it just because it looks that bad. If anyone out there has seen it, please hit me up on Twitter and give me your reviews because I'm I'm super intrigued. I saw I saw 2012, and so after that, I swore off Roland Emmerich uh, weather movies. It's no more uh, end of the world movies from Roland Emmerich for me. The, while 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 we were talking pickums, do you have a pick for Oscar Best Picture for the people? Uh, I do not. Get Out is the best movie I think I saw this year, so I would say that one. But I've only seen like two of the like eight movies that got nominated, so I got nothing. I, it's crazy to me that Get Out is the only the second February release to ever be nominated for Best Picture. It was that good. Yeah. Silence of the Lambs being the only other February release that has made it in and and eventually won. So there's your there's your little stat of the day, movie nerds. A little history lesson. I like it. Yep. Yep. All right, right Les. All right, thanks, Jamie. Appreciate it. And uh as for the rest of you guys who had to suffer through the end of that, you will uh you will hear <laughs> us next week. That was the best part of the pod, people. If you're still listening, you enjoyed the hell out of that. <laughs>